Welcome, welcome in to the Eyes on Texas Multicast, a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network, a new entity that we're excited to be a part of. We're recording live here in the Austin Radio Network headquarters overlooking downtown Austin in the 40 acres. You have found the Multicast whose content, depth of knowledge, and insights will be unmatched in Longhorn Nation and will be enjoyed by those who understand the winning tradition and pride of the University of Texas will not be entrusted to the weak or the timid. And uh, we're excited to be here. He is Mike Craven, a lifelong Austin I raised inside the Texas football locker room. Currently works as a senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, formerly with the Austin American Statesman and Rivals. I'm Aaron Hogan, 33 years in Austinite, 24 years, a fixture on Morning Drive Radio here in the ATX. I'm currently the co-host of the BNE Show on the Longhorn flagship station here in Austin, The Horn, and hornfm.com, a powerful combination that we're excited to dive deep and put our eyes on Texas football through, through spring practice, which has started, obviously through the summer, and then into a exciting 2023 football season and beyond. Mike Craven, how are you, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. That was a heck of an intro. You that like was, that? That was pretty good. It's like you've been doing this for a long time, so that that was nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm glad we finally put this together. I feel like you and I have flirted on podcast ideas for a couple years now, so uh, excited to do this. I think it's at the right time. They look pretty good. They look like a, a good team this year, and then obviously the SEC in 2024, so uh, uh, big stuff ahead for Texas football. Well, we're excited. And uh, obviously, as you said, I've been doing this a long time and uh, learned as we built this thing out that you listened growing up to our show and me. And uh, I followed your work and uh, have always respected your your insights and your knowledge. And when I say you grew, grew up in the Texas locker room, that's a true thing. Your, your, your grandfather was the, the doctor at the University yeah. of Texas as you grew up. So spent a lot of time in the locker room. You have a great insight and perspective on these young players, coaches, what goes on behind the scenes from a from a very young age. You you, you lived it, lived college football, the day-to-day process of it. And that's I think that's hugely important when it comes time to, to judge this team, talk about this team on a day-by-day basis. Yeah, I think one of the things I learned early on is it's a job, and it's every day. It's not just what you see on Saturday, right? It's, it's a big business going on behind the scenes. There's a lot of people involved, not just the players, not just the coaching staff. Uh, and I, I think it has given me a, a pretty good per- perspective. Uh, I covered recruiting. Uh, so I got to know a lot of the kids in high school and kind of what they want, what they don't like. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time uh, in college football, and I'm glad you know I was able to kind of grow into it, I guess. Yeah, same way for me. I grew up uh, in Houston, grew up an avid sports fan, wanted to do sports radio from when I was a little kid. Uh, was the weirdo kid lit watching games, Astros and Oilers, and then listening to the postgame call-in show at 13 years old. Who does that? We're weirdo. Um, but, you know, was always the dream to do sports radio. I love the immediacy of it, the, the conversation about games, previewing and looking back, talking about the, uh, the dynamics of each, each contest uh, always thrilled me. And I, I've been fortunate to be able to do it here. But also, as someone who didn't go to the University of Texas, went to St. Edwards uh, here in town, uh, but have been immersed in UT sports, I'm not, you know, a fan uh, per se. I'm around the program. I cover the program. I think I'm able to. I'm, I'm able to pull away from it and be objective when criticism is necessary and warranted, which has been the case the last 12, 15 years. But I've also been on the radio through the greatest times in Texas sports history, through the 2000s and Mac Brown and the national championship and the the 10, 12 year run that was put together there. So, uh, seen the good, seen the bad, and and feels like this thing's trending back up. Let me ask you uh, to explain to our audience, and we're excited. Uh, we'll let you know how you can find us. We're on YouTube, uh, Dave Campbell's YouTube page, which is exciting. We'll also post it on the Horns YouTube page. We have a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, all the ways you can find the Eyes on Texas and the Eyes on Texas podcast moving forward. Uh, but this is exciting because you and I, as you said, we flirted with this, you and I, for a while. 
And then all of a sudden we said, well, let's do it because you've moved back to Austin. Mm-hmm. You've been living in the Metroplex with Dave Campbell's Texas Don't football. Don't remind me. I know. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> yeah. And I and I hit you up and said, let's do this. And then next thing you know, you're telling me that Dave Campbell's wants to push these podcasts and build a digital brand uh, and really take the the hard copy magazine, which is the Bible of Texas football, and make it a digital brand that, that we're going to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, the idea was let's get into as, as many FBS markets as we could. You know, in the state of Texas, we have more than any anywhere else in the country, obviously. Uh, it was 12 when I first started Dave Campbell's. It's moving to 13 uh, with Sam Houston. And so when you and I were talking about the Texas podcast, Jay Arnold and I were talking about a Texas A&M podcast that we started. Uh, it was like, okay, well, if we already have two Let's see how far we can move this thing. And so I started talking uh, to people at Texas Tech, at Baylor, at UTSA, at Rice, just different places I knew. And all of a sudden, we had six, seven podcasts signed up within a week or two. And so uh, at that point, it felt like something that we could do. Uh, so all of these are going to be under the same umbrella. If you go to Republic of Football, wherever you listen to podcasts, it'll be there. Uh, you can listen to the A&M one, the Texas one, the Baylor one, the Texas Tech one. And I think it'll be fun, right? We can have each other on the shows and we can cross-promote. You know, when Texas is playing Baylor, you know, then maybe people listen to the Baylor one. Maybe Baylor fans listen to this one. And so, you know, at Dave Campbell's, we've always prided ourselves on the place that covers everything in Texas, from 2A to private school to 6-man up to 6A. So why wouldn't we cover all of the FBS teams with the same breath? And so uh, we're excited to get into those markets and kind of get in touch with fans at the ground floor rather than just doing 12, 13 teams from, from a, you know, an eagle eye view. Love it. And as someone who does four hours of radio every morning and Texas is going to play these opponents in these FBS schools you're talking about, I'm going to be eager to listen to those podcasts to learn the in-depth knowledge behind the scenes of those schools to know more, to be more up to, up to date. Because like we, we cover Texas on a daily basis. Those those folks cover A&M or uh, Texas Tech or Houston on a daily basis. And those are going to be exciting uh, to learn and, and get to know. So really excited about the network and to be a part of it for sure. And, you know, for Texas, you know, we're going to have our eyes on Texas and we're going to build with some great partners. We're going to have some some sponsors and, and founding sponsors of this podcast, which we're excited about. We're going to bring in. They're going to be a part of this and we're going to cover this program like no other, uh, starting with this spring and, you know, moving into the summer. Through the summer, we're going to preview all 12 opponents for the Longhorns in depth. Uh, certainly the ones that are from the state of Texas in, a, in an in-depth manner. And I'm really excited for you and to, to have you on board with this because you'll have access to these coaches and players from all the programs. I look at the Texas schedule this year, uh, and so many of the, of the schools, they, they barely leave the state of Texas in 2023. When you look at the schedule come the fall, I mean, they, they have, they have you know, every game they play outside of maybe two is in the Lone Star State. So we're going to be able to preview, get to know the other side, the, the team that they're playing that week, and obviously follow the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian into year three. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's one of the best parts of my job is I get to kind of touch base with everybody across the state. Like once April gets here and we're starting to make the magazine, I'll go to every 13 FBS schools in the state, sit down with the head coaches, talk to the coordinators, talk to a couple players. Uh, and so I enjoy getting to helicopter in. You know, I grew up, as you mentioned, around the Texas program, so I kind of watched them in UTSA where I went to college uh, probably more than most on a, on a casual basis. And so, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be a fun year. I'm excited for the show. I'm a little nervous. This is a little bit more of a setup than I'm used to <laughs> as kind of a pod. You know, like <laughs> yeah. this it feels more like a it's radio show. Let's go with multicast. Uh, yeah, right. I'm a Zoom podcaster, so this well, we're is a little, bit more, We've got a little access, bit more than I'm used to. got the access to the Austin Radio Network headquarters and we've got our own studio. That's, a, that's an advantage we have, which we're excited to you know, bring it, bring it on, a, on a higher level to the YouTube channel for folks. And uh, this screen behind me where you see our great-looking logo created by your digital team at, at Dave Campbell's, you know, we're going to be able to have 
you know, Zoom interviews and coaches and players and highlights. And yep. uh, this thing's going to be a big-time multicast, and we're excited to do it and bring it to you and ho- hope you'll be a part of it. However, you can find it on YouTube, uh, on our Instagram, on Twitter. And, you know, we're going to record it once a week on, on Monday. Uh, or a Tuesday night, depending on our schedules, and we'll put it out immediately. But then we're going to add content throughout the week, which we're excited about. We'll be able to jump on. We probably won't come in here and set up all the cameras. We'll just jump on a Zoom. If something breaks, somebody gets hurt, some breaking piece of news ahead of a game for the Longhorns, uh, we will certainly jump in and jump on and have the very latest. So you need to be following that uh, at all those places. And again, it's the the eyes of Texas multicast and will not be enjoyed or entrusted to the weak or the timid. We're going to bring it uh, on a week-by-week basis all the time. And we're going to break this uh, podcast usually about an hour. We're not going to go too far. We know your time is valuable. We're going to try to condense and squeeze as much as we can. But, you know, if we got to go over because there's a big conversation or a big topic that needs to be covered, we're going to do it. But we're going to play it like football and break it into four quarters. We're going to have quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, and the fourth quarter. We'll also maybe, maybe we'll get cheerleaders in here for the halftime intermission. I don't know, Palm Squad. Uh, well, we can arrange that as we get going. You never know. No one else has done it. Why wouldn't we do that? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have blunt. We'll get some Pluckers wings up in here, get some pizza. We'll have intermission. But uh, either way, we're going to talk a lot of Texas football. And let's go there. Let's go. That was our first quarter because we wanted to tell you about the podcast, what it's going to be, how you can find it. And uh, how we're going to operate this, who we are, that you're going to entrust uh, your your ears and your eyes to on a weekly basis and more than that. But uh, let's go to the second quarter, which is Texas football. You were at the first spring practice this past Tuesday, and uh, you were on the field. I was on the radio, so I, I was hoping that Coach Sark would plan some afternoon or evening practices so I could be down there. I'm pretty clear in the afternoon these days. But, um, you know, he's, he, he likes the early morning thing. He likes that early time to get in, practice, and then, you know, have the rest of the day. Yeah, I think it's less distractions. You know, you don't, you don't have to kill those first couple of hours. You don't have to worry about class schedules and things of that nature, especially in the spring. Uh, so I was I, I enjoyed the early morning thing as a, as a media person, right? You just kind of get it out of the way by ten thirty, you're out of there writing your story. Write a story, so, yeah. Yeah, so I so I enjoy that. I, I'm glad that Sark does that. Uh, they looked really good, man. You know, like you can't tell a lot from a first practice, and they only give us about a 25, 30 minute window where you watch them do a few drills. It's not like back in the good days where you could just kind of go out there and there's bleachers out there and you could just like watch them go out at a practice. Uh, but uh, I think you get a good idea of like the talent level there. I mean, you, you look around, you see guys like JT Sanders running around, and you're like, man, that that's a dude. You now know? a junior, right? You know, and then you look at the freshman, you see Anthony Hill, and he looks like a junior. He looks like somebody who's been in a college weight room for a while. Cedric Baxter, kind of the same. Uh, Jonte Cook looked really good out there on the hoof. So uh, I think it it's fair one to of- say that this is, and we've covered Texas football a long time through the good and the bad. One of the things I'm really excited about, and we talk about questions for the spring. Uh, and we'll do offense here in this second quarter. We'll hit the defensive side coming up in the third quarter. And we'll recap the combine coming up. The combine is in the books, and five Longhorns were there. We'll talk about Bijan and Roshan and what went on in Indianapolis. But that'll be our quarter breakdown. But on the just in general, macro for this spring, is it fair to say this will be the most competitive spring practice? I mean, I remember two years ago when Sark first got here, they had like six or seven scholarship offensive linemen. You couldn't even have a scrimmage. Yeah. They didn't have enough guys yeah. to actually have a scrimmage. Now here we are, year three, or going into the offseason of year three, and it's 15 scholarship offensive linemen. And that that depth and talent kind of permeates the roster now to where if you started last year and played a lot of football, that doesn't mean you're going to start this year because there's a young freshman coming for your job or there's a developing player who was a freshman a year ago that maybe redshirted or they hit the portal and brought in a guy that's played a lot of football. This this is the competition that I think breeds winning when you know that the guy behind you is pushing for your gig. 
Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of jobs up in the air, and not because they don't know if they have a guy who can play that spot, but because they have a couple of guys that can play that spot, and they don't knew, know which one's the best one. Uh, I think the offensive line's a perfect example. You know, They return five guys on the offensive line. They average about 20 starts each there. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if DJ Campbell or somebody else in, in the background kind of came out in the spring and really established himself as, as a future starter. And so I think Sark, the reason he sounds confident and looks confident is I think he looks around and he sees what you notice is, you know, I came here when there were seven offensive linemen, and that's all I had. You know, now I have 10 that I think I can play. And you look on the defensive side the same way. And so uh, he seemed like a confident, confident coach. And when you look around, I think competitive is a good word. Uh, there's going to be a real too deep, and that's what they've lacked over the last 10 to 12 years. Yeah, on the horn in Austin, I listen to Rod Babers every afternoon. Rod DeHorst, our afternoon show. Of course, a lifetime Longhorn, great player in the early 2000s at Texas at corner. And he talks about that. When Texas was great, uh, and we covered it. Uh, you know, Rod Babers was lining up in practice every day opposite B.J. Johnson yeah. and Roy Williams and Sloan Thomas, and he was kind of compete with for jobs with great defensive backs at DBU. Uh, you know, you got to earn that spot, and uh, you're playing great players on the other side. Texas isn't there yet, but that's what gets you back to starting to look like you know an Alabama or a Georgia or an Ohio State because that's what they do. Uh, they just churn out talent, and the practices become more rigorous and tougher than the games at yeah. some level. I mean, I enjoyed going to those practices more than the games usually because, <laughs> like, there was only two that were competitive game-wise, you know, but you went to practice on a Tuesday and that was competitive. And I don't think that's been true for Texas in a long time. Like, you talk to Rod and he'll say, like, practice was much harder than most of those games. And uh, right now that's not the case. I think it's getting back to that. Uh, the recruiting's done that. The transfer portal helps that. But they've done a great job developing guys. Like, as somebody who covers the state, you look around the transfer numbers and how much, you know, teams are cycling in talent. Texas is doing it organically, even in the transfer portal age. They're cherry-picking from the transfer portal, as they should do. Uh, but they're keeping most of their talent, and they're adding it through the high school level and then developing it. And I think that's the word that Texas hasn't had in a long time, and that's develop. You know, and these guys are getting better. Like, look at JT Sanders. Look at De uh, DeMarvion Overshone. Uh, Jalen Ford, those kind of guys, Christian Jones, those guys are getting better uh, year in, year out. And I think that's the best sign for Texas right now. Helped them to a top three recruiting class this year. You know, the eight and four record in the regular season lost the bowl game off uh, five and seven. But players finally are seeing what you just said players getting better, yeah. players improving. Uh, under the coaching and the coaching staff that have done a great job, uh, and that's what's leading to the to the influx of talent and the talent acquisition. I also think, I also think Sark's done a great job uh, on, on building his coaching staff, and he's brought in Chris Jackson on the offensive side to coach wide receivers. Uh, Jamal Fenner's come in to be that high school relations liaison, which I think is a great hire for them. But questions on offense for you. You just mentioned offensive line. I think there are fewer questions at that position than anywhere. Uh, in my mind, because and that I haven't been able to say that about a Texas football team in a decade plus, maybe more. Yeah. Uh, and the, you just mentioned a name, Christian Jones, coming back, getting the word from the NFL that maybe hey, one more year of seasoning with Kyle Flood. Well, now you bring back your starting right tackle, your starting left tackle, your starting left guard and right guard and center. But as you said, they've got five star kids that are pushing for those jobs, maybe on the interior. Uh, a guy like D DJ Campbell from Arlington Bowie, a uh, five star high school player who uh, maybe needed to hit the weight room, but man, what a powerhouse he could be. This is exciting. I mean, this, this, when you talk about Texas, that, that offensive line, maybe the fewest questions on the offensive side, that's pretty good. And that's, you know, think about this time last year. You know, they, they knew a couple true freshmen were going to have to start, and they felt pretty good about Kelvin Banks, but you just never know what a guy's going to do in college until he gets there and figures that out. Cole Hudson was a three star guy from Westlake that, they, that they've developed into a really good player uh, that kind of overachieved as a true freshman. So, you know, I think DJ Campbell coming out of high school had a, had a ton 
of, of uh, you know, prestige. He was a five-star guy that, that a lot of people thought were the best interior prospect, not only in Texas, but in the nation. Uh, and having that depth, it's like we'll talk about the quarterback position in here in a little bit, but the competitiveness, as you were talking about earlier, if you're Cole Hudson, you started 13 games last year, and you can't sit there and rest on your laurels. Like You, you have somebody competing uh, with you. Uh, and so I think that's a great sign for Texas. As you mentioned, they haven't had a strong offensive line in a long time. If that's a strength of this team, then they're going to be pretty good. I do think Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson clearly helped that young offensive line. I mean, Bijan forced more missed tackles than any player in the country. Roshan, you know, yards after content was or contact was through the roof. And so, you know, they they made up for some some young guys that were learning their way. Uh, but those guys are in more season now and they're being pushed. And obviously, for me, the biggest question on the offensive side of the ball. Is it running back? Uh, who's going to be replacing 80% of your running back production? Sark talked after the first practice that you know, the luxury of having Bijan and Roshan where they could run the ball but also line up and run routes and be a big part of the passing game. I don't think you, when you hear Sark talk about it outside of Keelan Robinson, I don't think they have another running back who's in that ilk. That's why they've moved Savion Red from wide receiver to running back. But how do you see this uh, running back room breaking down? I don't think they have to be as productive as Bijan and Roshan, but they've got to be able to run the football. Yeah. Another thing that he said that I thought was pretty pretty good for him to say is he you know he's been coaching college football for a long time on the offensive side of the ball and he's always had a thousand yard rusher so somebody's going to get the ball and somebody's going to go get yards those, those were his words and so I think he's pretty confident that any step he's taken back at running back he's taking forward on the offensive line that that will wash that out uh, at least by conference play Cedric Baxter looked like a a guy who's been in college for a while you know, Jonathan Brooks is f- former Mr. F- Texas football at, at Dave Campbell so you know we've obviously been really high on him Jaden Blue a high four-star guy when he came out of high school. So if the offensive line is what we think it is, if it's 7-8 deep, it's really talented, it mauls people, it pushes people around, I don't know if you need a Bajon Robinson, if you, if you need a Rashawn Johnson. I think these other guys are going to be good enough if that offensive line is as good as we think it's going to be. I mean, Cedric Baxter is a true freshman out of Florida, number one player in the nation at running back by several services on three sports and some others, and just a top top player. Great for Tashard Choice. Tashard Choice built a relationship. Tashard Choice is the running back coach at Texas. Uh, he came from Georgia Tech, where he had built that relationship mm-hmm. and uh, carried it here, and it helped them land a, a top back like that. And he may, you know, be like a Bijan or a you know Cedric Benson that can be an immediate impact kind of player, but we don't know. That's a question mark. Uh, you mentioned Jonathan Brooks out of Hallettsville. I think we know what he is, as you said, Mister Mister Football at Dave Campbell's. What about Jaden Blue? That's a that's a that's a, an enigma <laughs> because he sat out his senior year in in high school to get ready, came in early, and he really hadn't played. He didn't play in the bowl game last year against Colorado. He thought he might see Jaden. And here in the spring, Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that, uh, you know, Jonathan Brooks is dealing with hernia surgery, so he won't participate. Uh, Keelan Robinson, the veteran, the trans- Alabama transfer, who's kind of the, the gadget player, uh, he is dealing with a, a bit of a strain. So these three guys, Cedric Baxter Jr., Jaden Blue, and Savion Red moving in from wide receiver are going to get a lot of reps here at the running back position here this spring. This feels like a make it or break it spring for Jaden Blue, honestly. You know, because when a five star kid who has those kind of chops is coming behind you and he's your running back's coach's choice, right? Like he's somebody who went out and got that guy. I think the writing's on the wall, right? You got to step up. You got to take advantage of those snaps. Same for Savion Red. You know, football's moving positionless. You know, like what Kyle Shanahan does with his offense is catching on everywhere. Uh, I think a guy like Savion Red can be somebody who can, can operate in that role that Keelan Robinson has done well, where he can get stuff out of the backfield, become a gadget player. Uh, and, and really build himself a role. And so 
I think, you know, from talking to former college football players, they always talk about spring being really important on the individual level. You know, maybe you can't take a lot from like how the offense is playing or how the defense is playing because it's so base and it's not like they're scouting anybody or scheming anybody up. But you can take advantage of your opportunities in the spring that you may not get in the fall. And I think for for Jaden Blue, Savion Red, right now is the time to do it because we get into the fall and maybe you get left behind and you don't get those reps anymore. Yeah, uh, that's important. It's the individual time both on the field and then behind the scenes in the in the film room, uh, working with your position coach. And obviously that transitions into the summer. And then, yeah, you get back to fall camp. I mean, you got a few weeks of training camp, and then it's time to set your depth charts, start getting ready for a, a tough schedule for the Longhorns. That includes a trip to Alabama in week two. They're not going to mess around with, uh, you know, waiting on guys. And I don't think Sark is is the Tom Herman. He's going to hide Cedric Baxter if Cedric Baxter's the guy. You well, know, I, like I it's not going to take till game nine, game ten to figure well, that out. Well, and having covered it now for two years, he's made – Xavier Worthy was the name you kept hearing. You know, now Xavier wasn't here early when he got here from California. He came in in the summer, yeah. but all you heard was raves about his maturity. Was coming here to play, work ethic. He was a Steve Sarkeesian guy, and he started and was freshman All American. Kelvin Banks mm-hmm. was the name you kept hearing last year. Freshman All American started from day one. So when I look at Cedric Baxter Jr., I hear what you're saying about Anthony Hill at defense, the linebacker out of Denton. Uh, wearing zero, um, those that's what you're hearing about those guys. They look the part, they're mature, they're coming here to play. And I think Sark does a good job of selling that on the recruiting trail. Hey, we're going to play you. Yep. If you come in here with the right attitude, you come in here mature, and you you we you know treat this like what it is, a profession that you want to achieve and, and get off to the next level, we'll get you on the field. And I think that is, is, is resonating with these players. What is your biggest question, Mike Craven, for the offensive side of the ball over the next six weeks? Uh, mine is on, on, honestly at the wide receiver position. You know, like Xavier Worthy, Jordan Winnington, I think we know everything we need to know about. You know, I know Xavier Worthy had an up and down last year, and we can talk about the hand thing and how much that played into it. Uh, but who's going to be that next guy? Like, I they missed Isaiah Nayor, right? Like, he was supposed to be a guy who could be the vertical threat, allow Xavier Worthy to be the intermediate short route guy who can then go do play after the catch. Can A.D. Mitchell, the Georgia transfer, be that? Isaiah Nayor, is he back from the knee injury? Can he do that? Jordan Winnington in the slot is great. Uh, Xavier Worthy after the catch, awesome as, as a route runner. But we saw last year he's not a vertical. He's too small. He can't go high point balls. He can't deal uh, with the physicality downfield. If one of those other two guys can step up, I feel like it frees everybody else up on the offense to do to do what they're supposed to do. Love that. And I think A.D. Mitchell's the name you mentioned, Adonis Mitchell from uh, from Georgia. Uh, he's a kid who played high school football in the state of Texas and then late in his high school career moved to Tennessee, ended up at Georgia. And, you know, everything you've heard behind the scenes about A.D. Mitchell is mature. Like he moved back here because he's got a young young child in the Metroplex. He wanted to be closer. Uh, he wanted to play. He wants to play in the NFL. And at Georgia, it's a tight end base run offense. Uh, he caught touchdown passes in the last two national championship games at Georgia. We're in number five, last two national semifinal games. He's played in big time games. And I think he wanted to be featured more. Let's be honest. He wanted to be featured in a more of a passing offense. And obviously the Quinn Ewers and what Steve Sarkeesian is going to do, they're going to push the ball down the field. Uh, and whether it's you know Xavier Worthy back into his role of the kind of the quick game guy, the quickness, and then in the red zone, but A.D. Mitchell's a proven big-time receiver against big-time competition under the biggest lights uh, who comes in here. And everything you've heard from the coaches is maturity. Like yeah. He's he's here to earn. He wants to go to the NFL. He wants to play in the National Football League. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff that can rub off on guys that may be a little immature that don't get it. That is a good thing. So I agree with you. It's unproven, but it's it's pretty loaded with talent. And then I think if you add a name, you've mentioned a couple times early here on our Eyes of Texas, Eyes on Texas podcast, 
JT Sanders in the tight end position. George Tavion Sanders, who you covered in high school, five star talent. Remember coming out of Denton Ryan, wasn't sure what he was going to be. He was just a freak on the field. Uh, you see about three plays, and you're like, who is that guy? Uh, and now he's, you know, t- redshirted, was willing to redshirt, mature enough to handle that, b- worked on his blocking, worked on being a tight end because that's where he's going to make his dollars on Sunday and balled out last year and really can be a problem for defenses this year with, you know, an improved passing game and ex- more experienced Quinn Ewers, a quarterback, these receivers you just discussed, and this dude's a problem. I mean, who do you double? You know, if Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Winnington, J.T. Sanders are out, I mean, who 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 do you roll coverage to? You know, one of those guys is going to be singled up, and they're going to win that battle most of the time. Like, I think J.T. Sanders at tight end single-handedly transforms what Texas can do. Like, you talk to offensive coaches, and, you know, everybody's an air raid offense, but it's air raid plus tight end. And, like, the ability to have a guy who can be a mismatch on linebackers, can be a mismatch on corners, can be a mismatch on safeties, it allows you to do so much. We're talking about positionless football earlier. He can line up in line. He can line up in the flex. He can line up as a fullback out wide. Uh, and, and so he is a weapon uh, that cannot be overhyped, I think, in this offense. And I find it interesting that both the Denton Ryan kids, linebacker Anthony Hill, uh, Jatavion Sanders wearing zero. Both are wearing zero, and they're both five-star players. Uh, hey, this is the the Eyes on Texas multicast. Aaron Hogan, Mike Craven, and our production crew. It's the a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We were recording live here in uh, Austin, Texas, at the Austin Radio Network her- headquarters, and uh, we're excited to do it. That's the offensive question marks. Obviously, we'll dive deeper. Uh, podcast after podcast, what we learn as they go. Will there be injuries offensively? I, I do want to get into a little more that Xavier Worthy hand injury because that was weird. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a lot on the morning show here on the Horn, the flagship here in Austin, that just kind of weird. Uh, There's a lot of questions. I mean, was if he had a broken hand for half the year and he was dropping half the passes, why is there another player that could have played that could have caught the ball, obviously? Uh, or if you're going to play him because he's your best receiver and every defense the defenses didn't know because didn't, Sark didn't tell anybody that his hand was hurt, well, why would he be your primary target over and over again when you have guys like J.T. Sanders, Jordan Whittington, where we went many a game with not a lot of targets? Uh, that's a question for Sark that, you know, you can't be – the year before he played Casey Thompson at quarterback with a broken thumb for most of the season, it felt like. So Sark deserves question on that of, okay, I get it. He had a broken hand. He took a lot of heat for drop balls. And, you know, fans are now wondering, that's a weird thing to say. I don't care if he didn't tell us during the season. He didn't have to tell. He's, you know, if he's going to play him, he doesn't need to tell the opponent that is yeah. that he's hurt. I get that from the, uh, the cloak and dagger side of things. But at the same time, he doesn't have to be the primary target from Quinn Ewers over and over again. What's your read on that whole situation? I was surprised it didn't come out during the bowl time. Yeah. You know, because that's like an unconsequential game that you're just like, you know, you're trying to win, but, like, if you don't, it's okay. You know, why not take some heat off the dude? You know, because not only does it explain some of his drops and some of the inconsistency for him, but also with Quinn, right? Because how much were they practicing together? Well, that was my question. And I think that hopefully somebody asked Sark that at the next media availability. Okay, you told us X-Man was hurt. Was he practicing? Right. What did that lead to? Some of the lack of continuity between your quarterback and the receiver. We saw him, you know, drop balls, miss routes, misreads. Uh, but that becomes the question for Sark: is you know, you have other options. Could have used him to 
create a double team and throw in elsewhere. But, you know, obviously that could have been a product of a young quarterback. And, and that's one of the reasons my biggest question mark is that wide receiver position because it has become Xavier worthy and, and pretty much that's it outside, right? Like Jordan Winnington does what Jordan Winnington does in the slot, but like on the outside, uh, it's become worthy or nothing over the last couple of years. And if A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah Nayor uh, can be those guys, then all of a sudden that takes pressure off them. And even healthy, we don't see him get 17, 18 targets. It's one of those offenses where you can spread the ball around. Uh, before we flip, switch to defense and go into our third quarter uh, here on our podcast, uh, the Eyes on Texas multicast here. Uh, quarterback, <laughs> Quinn Ewers. Uh, obviously, Arch Manning is there. I was was curious that Malik Murphy is still dealing with a foot injury that happened way back in high school. I mean, that's, gosh, 18 months ago or 17 months ago, if you do the math. Uh, back in high school, his high school state championship game out in Florida. He's a big, tall kid, 6'5", and he's dealing with a foot. That's not good that he can't be out there. These are valuable reps. I mean, the, the biggest question, one of the big questions at quarterback, if, if Quinn Ewers is going to be the starter, who's going to be the backup? And, you know, Arch Manning's a name you're going to hear a lot. Uh, and the national media is already tweeting things about quarterback competition, which we'll find out. But, you know, Malik Murphy wanted to be a part of that for the backup role. He's not on the field on practice one. I mean, I think it's great for Arch Manning and his development, you sure. know, because he's going to soak in all that. He's going to get all of those snaps. But, yeah, I mean, you always feel for a dude that just can't get on the field. Like, it's one thing to get on the field and realize maybe you don't belong at that competition level or you got to go transfer. You lose a job to a better player, right? Things happen. Uh, but to just never get healthy, you know, has is, is got to be one of the most frustrating things as an athlete, if not the most frustrating thing as an athlete. True enough. True enough. All right, let's switch gears. Third quarter time. We won't have our halftime intermission this year, this time in our first round of podcasts. We will have cheerleaders in here, Palm Squad, the band. We're going to do an intermission at some point. Or, or, or Nolan, our producer, our digital producer, will put together a video or something. We need there an intermission go. there, Nolan. And we're also going to pay some respect to our to our sponsors and our partners uh, here on our Eyes on Texas. Get Rihanna on the show. Yeah, Rihanna, Rihanna could be on. Whatever. Yeah, get Rihanna. Maybe do some great <laughs> halftime shows. Uh, but let's flip right to the third quarter. Defensive side. Biggest question for you, Mike Craven, on the defensive side of the ball. Pete Kwiatkowski, you know, Gary Patterson's moving out. Gary Patterson's moving on. He did his one year. Said he learned a lot, but he's going to move off and get back home to Fort Worth. And he wants to have a, a larger impact on the larger scope of college football, whichever that means. But, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski did a great job. The staff, Bo Davis, especially on the defensive line. Uh, what are your biggest concerns on the defensive side as we hit spring? I think the obvious one is linebacker next to Jalen Ford, but I'm such a believer in Anthony Hill that that one doesn't bother me as much. Uh, for me, it's just the defensive line and where they get pass rush outside of Baron Sorrell. Uh, you know, he returns as the leading sack getter, uh, but then they lost their next four leading sack getters from last year. You know, DeMarvion Overshone uh, was one of those guys, and he was able to kind of be a hybrid dude that was able, you know, with Jalen Ford's emergence to, to play off the ball and rush the passer and be disrupted that way. You know, what does that look like? How do they generate pressure? Because in today's college football, you have to be able to affect the passer to win football games and to stop teams. Uh, they were able to do that last year. Even when they weren't getting sacks, they were getting pressures. Uh, how do they do that this year? Who are those guys who step up to become that? It's fair enough, and then Steve Sarkeesian would echo what you said. Biggest concerns for Sark entering the spring were passing game continuity with the quarterback receivers, and the passing game has to be better, and pass rush. Uh, exactly right, because they led the nation, according to Pro Football Focus, in quarterback pressures last year, but they didn't lead the nation in sacks. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a great push from that interior, but they didn't have a finisher. Who's going to be the finisher? Baron Sorrells has shown flashes, a guy like uh, Justice Finkley, uh, looks the part. Gosh, there are a couple of kids from Westlake here uh, over the last couple of years, including the uh, the, the true freshman now coming in, Colton Vosick, um, Colt Vosick 
who could be a finisher, big picture, but obviously for this year, who's going to finish the play? You think about that Alabama game last year with Bryce Young. <clears throat> there were so many opportunities to get into the ground uh, and, and affect the game and, and, and force a big sack. They need that this year. Yeah, I mean, Ethan Burke feels like a dude that, that needs to come on you know, as, as a sophomore. Um, you know, Justice Finkley, you mentioned. I think another one, you know, from the interior is Byron Murphy. That's a guy who I expect to really break out this year. You know, without Keandre Coburn, without Moro Jomo, uh, he's going to have the ability to do that. He's he's an he's a tremendous interior pass rusher from DeSoto High School. I think he's going to have a big year, third year on campus. Agreed, agreed. And then, uh, boy, getting Tavondre Sweat back is a yeah. big one too. Yeah. I mean, I thought there was a chance he was going to move off to the NFL. That gives you that plugger in the middle, three hundred and thirty pounds, thirty five pounds. I thought that was a big get back for Texas. I, I mean, defensive line was a strength last year. Jomo uh, and Coburn moving on, but they still bring back a lot of depth there, and they're adding to it through the recruiting trail. I agree with you about linebacker. What about the defensive backfield? Jalen Catalan has come in. They bring in the, the kid from Wake Forest who's been a couple-year starter there. It looks like that could be a deep, deep spot. Yeah, I think that's going to be pretty good. I mean, Deshaun Jameson left, but I think they're going to be okay there. Uh, Gavin Holmes, the dude from from Wake Forest you were talking about, uh, going to come in and compete with Terrence Brooks at, at, at corner, uh, you know, along with Ryan Watts. I think Jade Barron, excellent, right? Like a really good safety uh, who, who's, who can play nickel, who can play corner, who can play off the ball. Um, so I think, to me, it's Jalen Catalan. Can he stay healthy? If Jalen Catalan can be on the field, for nine of the 12 games, for nine of the 13 games. I think that's a win for Texas. Keaton Crawford's still there. Jaron Thompson, uh, <laughs> who everybody considers a leader in that locker room, still there as well. So I'm not as concerned about secondary. I thought they really did a really good job in the transfer portal, bringing in two dudes who are instant impact players who can be day one starters. And now they have a couple of guys from last year's team that got starting reps that may lose their job. And as we were talking about earlier, that competition makes everybody better. Really like Jalen Gilbo, too. Yes. I mean, true freshman at the star position last year. Yep. Obviously, they replaced Anthony Cook. They're going to replace Deshaun Jamison, who played a lot of football at Texas. Uh, but Ryan Watts comes back to play that boundary corner. The Ohio State transfer, who was so good. They were such a different defense when the big, long, rangy boundary corner was on the field. So excited about that. I agree with you about pass rush. Uh, and just, you know, taking that next step where you went from a much improved, because they were historically bad in year one, much improved last year, showed the improvement. Uh, gosh, that Bo Davis bus rant after the Iowa State game <laughs> yeah. two years ago, I think paid some dividends. And I think you, you've you mentioned to me offline that, you know, kind of lit a fire under guys like Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo, uh, who bought in to what Bo Davis was selling. I remember last year when we got to Big 12 football media days in, in Dallas and in Arlington, uh, Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas contingent, we were, Bucky and I were on the air and doing the morning show. And the UT brass showed up right about 9 o'clock. So we had one hour left on our show. And uh, UT and John Bianco had said, you know, we're going to have Sark come to your first interview before he does all his other stuff, which was great. And the first thing I asked him is, what are you excited about? What have you seen through the summer that, that gets you pumped up? And he said, I think Bo Davis is showing why he's the best defensive line coach in the country. And I, you know, we both, Bucky and I both looked at each other, wrote that down. And you watched this team last year. The defensive line was so much improved. If that keeps coming, the depth in the secondary. And if you're right about Anthony Hill Jr. out of uh, DeSoto or uh, Denton Ryan, next to Jalen Ford, who was arguably the Big 12 defensive player of the year last mm -hmm. year, had all the impactful plays, the interceptions, the forced fumbles that saved games. This can be not just a good defense, but a, uh, a top-end defense in the Big 12. 
I think it was unfortunate that the Bo Davis rant leaked, right? Because you never want something to leak from inside the locker room. Sure. But I think it put everybody on Front Street, right? Like, it can't just be a, a locker room rant that nobody else hears. You know, your mom hears that. Your brother hears that. Your best friends hear that, right? And so you have no choice but to get on or get out. And I think that's exactly what Texas has needed for a long time. Like, I think most Texas fans heard that and said, finally. Like, that's exactly what I've been screaming at my TV for a decade plus, right? So I think Bo Davis, you know, was frustrated, honestly. Uh, it came out in a way that I think some people outside of football may take, you know, uh, offense to. But I think this is how you talk, right, in, in those circles. And so I think it's something that they needed to hear. And from knowing some of those guys on the team, you know, from back on the recruiting, I think it's something that lit a fire. And I think Keandre Coburn's the perfect example. I think that guy uh, really turned it on from that moment forward. And we saw him have a big year, and it's going to pay off with the draft pick. And so now they can go to guys and be like, look, there, there's the proof in the pudding. You put in that work. And it's going to pay off. You're going to be an all-conference player, and you're going to go get you know an NFL combine thing. Uh, I think that's just wildly important for this program. Yeah, agreed. And you know, doing morning radio day by day, four hours every day in the mornings, that that rant went you know viral, was on TMZ and all those things. And I think you're right. I think you know the brothers and the dads were like, hell yeah, right. I and mean, I'm watching the same thing. What are y'all doing? Yeah. Thanks, Bo. Uh, thanks for yelling. But that had come on the heels of uh, the Halloween monkey situation right. and pole assassin and you know it was just one of those weird years the team kind of checked out on sark and guys who were in were in guys who were out were out and probably a vetting process that needed to happen with a new staff but i thought you're right bo davis with all the experience at alabama national championships lsu you know it's basically we know how to do this you guys have been follow or get out i mean really uh we're not going to lower our standards and our bar uh, to meet where you guys are it's going to be the other way and i think we start to see that and then that's where the excitement comes of the competitive nature of this let me ask you because we've talked about them a few times uh just for our audience and uh, because we're going in depth as we say we're going to the depth of knowledge of this podcast is going to be off the charts because you not only cover texas college football you've covered texas high school football and recruiting at a very deep level getting to know these players tell us about anthony hill if there's going to be an impact player on defense this year, it's going to be there. Tell me about him. I mean, we've heard about him since he's a sophomore, uh, starting at the highest level of Texas high school football, but just seems like a really special player. I mean, Malik Jefferson, Steve Edmond, you know, those are the kind of guys I think about Anthony Hill in terms of like recruiting profile, you know, like it just like can't miss linebacker dudes. Um, a lot like Bajan, right? Where you you could you could put anybody on a field that doesn't know anything about football, ask them who the best football player is, and it's only going to take them a couple plays to point at Anthony Hill. And he's just one of those guys that he looks the part. You go out there on Monday when everybody broke out, you put him in a group of linebackers that are out there that have been on campus for a few years, and you would not know that he hasn't been right alongside them working out on a college campus. He's just built differently. He played running back also at Denton Ryan, so he's ab- absolutely athletic. Uh, but it's harder and harder to find interior linebacker prospects in college football in high school football because if you have somebody like a lot of times they play on the edge right uh, to rush out to the passer they play running back um, but he is a true middle linebacker that can be a sideline to sideline guy that can patrol the defense and he's the SEC type linebacker that they need right like he's that physical throwback dude who also has the speed I'm excited to see what he is in college football because he's one of the most explosive players we've seen in high school football in a long time in the state of Texas and in a position Texas has struggled to find and you right. say a lot of people struggle to find it i would also say he was an a&m commitment <laughs> who you know the 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 fall off for jimbo fisher and the mess that they had this year helped texas a lot and them showing development on this side uh really helped anthony because he wants to play in the nfl i mean there's yep. one of those guys that it's a profession for him uh you know, and he wants to play on sundays and he sees this as an avenue to get there also tip of the cap before we get to our fourth quarter conversation uh here on the uh, eyes on texas multicast 
just the linebacker recruiting class in general. I mean, when you we talk about what they've done on the offensive line recruiting and the quarterback room recruiting, receiver, but man, linebacker to not just get Anthony Hill, but Darian Gallette, who's still dealing with a knee injury, but what an athlete he is. Yeah, Leona LaFau out of Hawaii. I mean, uh, Jeff Choate and uh, the defensive staff did a great job at that position. Yeah, I mean, they've been kind of piecemealing it together since they've been here, right? Like, no offense to, like, a Luke Brockemeyer, but that's not that's no. not the level of linebacker they need starting at the University of Texas, especially as this moves on into a bigger and better conference. And so uh, they're starting to match, you know, what they want to do with the player on the field, and, and that's going to elevate everybody. And as we talked about earlier, that kind of, you, you drop those kind of guys in, if you're another linebacker on the roster, you have no choice but to pick up your play. Or you're going to get passed up by a bunch of kids, you know, and you're going to the writing's going to be on the wall really quickly. And so I think it elevates everybody in that room. Uh, and like you mentioned, these guys are coming here for a reason. It's not to be here for five years. It's to play for three years, maybe four, and go get real paid. And so uh, I think that's good. I think that's what you want in a college program. The days of, like, trying to keep them for as long as possible are over. Like, you want that churn because you, the ability to do that is going to bring more kids in that can do that. You just keep that process going. He is Mike Craven, the uh, lifelong Austinite, raised inside the Texas football locker room and bringing it strong here on the uh, uh, Eyes on Texas Multicast, senior writer at Dave Campbell's T Texas Football. I'm Aaron Hogan as we bring our first installment of what's going to be a weekly podcast on top of, or I should say multicast because it's going to be on YouTube, it's going to be on uh, Spotify, it's going to be all over, also Twitter and Instagram for our socials and then continuing content as breaking news develops through the week. Let's flip it to our fourth quarter conversation, and that flips to something you just said you know, Sark trying to mold this program after what he saw at Alabama with Nick Saban, where, you know, Nick Saban sells the idea on the recruiting trail that, you know, we're going to have NFL scouts at our practices, y'all. I mean, NFL scouts show up to watch us practice, uh, and they are watching the freshmen, and they're watching the sophomores. They know this is the, the pipeline. George is doing it now, too. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, and I think you would will be, too, on, on Thursday over at the Pro Day uh, for UT. They're going to have their Pro Timing Day. And I think we're going to see a lot of, faces we haven't seen in a while uh you know general managers actual coaches guys and they're not just coming to see the draft eligible longhorns they're going to come look at quinn yours they're going to come see anthony hill they're going to come look at kelvin banks and, and and get to see him up close that's the kind of program you want to run where they're not just coming to see your eligible guys they're coming to keep an eye and get to know these these other kids who are a couple of years out or next year out to being in the draft and that helps in recruiting right because like cedric baxter's here because he likes the coaching staff but he's here because of Bajon robinson you know, you see that as a benchmark. Like, he is a level of athlete that I am. He went to Texas, and now he's going to be maybe a top 10 NFL draft pick in an age where running backs don't get picked like that. You want to follow in those exact same footsteps. He's got a Ferrari dealership. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> Lambo. Lambo, sorry. I can't. I'm not rich, so I, I can't keep all of those uh, together. But like, sports cars correct. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, whatever F1 car is. It. But, like. I think you see that, and like that's the model you want to follow. Like Babers can talk about that, right? Like those guys wanted, like once it was DBU, it just built itself. Like it just kept rolling over. That's where Alabama's got. That's where Georgia's got. That's where Texas has been. That's where they're trying to be at. The bigger and better these combine results can be, the more guys they're sending there, the more 16, 17-year-olds go like, look, if I go to Austin, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to get paid, and then I'm going to go get really paid. And I, I think that's how you got to recruit these days. And over my shoulder, you see the Bijan Robinson workout at the uh, NFL Combine this weekend. He'll he will not work out at Pro Day. He's already you know told NFL Network that he. I give him credit. He showed up there. He had probably more to lose than win there, and he balled out. I mean, he ran a four four six forty. 
He, you know, did all the agility drills and 215, 220. I mean, he's a big back who ran as fast as some of the smaller guys. Uh, so really solidifying himself. And he's going to come here and he says at the pro day this week, he'll support his teammates, talk to teams that want to talk to him. But he is consensus, the number one pick. The question will be how high he goes. We talked about this off air, but you covered recruiting and you went out to, to Arizona and met Bijan Robinson. He was a 16 year old kid. Uh, and as you said, you did, with Anthony Hill, you knew within three plays this kid's different. And, you know, the maturity jumped out as a high school player, and now you're seeing that, you know, get a Lambo deal and all these, you know, the, 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 the brilliant way he handled NIL, you know, handling these endorsement deals, but not getting a big head about it, not getting over his skis, being humble about it, but making money while he was here, but also being a great teammate, great player in the locker room, and, and just a, a great example of how NIL can work. I drive out to Phoenix, I get a rental car, I drive to Tucson, and I'm asking Bajon Robinson about himself as a player, and all he wants to talk about is his teammates at South Point Catholic, who most of them, not very good, right? I mean, he's he's <laughs> the absolute star, but he's talking about his offensive guard, who has no offers, about how like he's making his job a lot easier. He talks about his coach, and if, if you're not familiar with coaching outside the state, a lot of them aren't full-time coaches, you know? like They're realtors who like also coach the high school <laughs> team. Right. It's not like it is here, and he's talking about how much that guy has helped him in his development and, and you're looking at him like well no like you're the guy here you're the stud right and that that's who he's always been and he was like that at 16 years old he was like that at 18 he's still like that uh, now as a young man and so uh, I think he was one of those guys there's a few no-brainers in this industry where it's like if that guy doesn't get injured he's going to be okay and it's not always talent like a lot of these guys are really talented it comes down to like their mental makeup as well you talk to him as a teenager and it was already talking to a 25 year old he was already there uh, at a maturity level uh, that is uncommon uh, for teenagers that are this athletic, that, that that get coddled in this way, they get talked about in this way. He was so humble even back then that it's you know it's just exciting to see good things happen to good people. Honestly, kind of like uh, Sam Ellinger's mindset and leadership within a just an unbelievably talented package. Not that Sam wasn't talented, right. but this dude is on the level of. The f- the fact that you can get a Lambo de- and like nobody on your team is like even talking about it as controversial, right? Because like he deserves it's like it. Good for you, you. Know? like yeah, exactly. Like I think every time people talk about nil. Uh, they always talk about what the bad things would be, the jealousy and all that kind of stuff. I think Bajan Robinson is proof pudding uh, that if you deserve what you get paid, there's no jealousy because everybody's trying to get you know their friends elevated, right? And he's somebody that was going to take care of his friends, and so they were they were happy for him. Yeah, and he also had his own mustard, which was brilliant. The Bijan yeah, mustards and it's pretty good. I mean, just great. It was great. I mean, yeah. great great campaign. Very smart. Very shrewd. He's going to make an NFL team very, very happy. I know that for sure. A couple other thoughts here in our fourth quarter about the combine and then some big-picture thoughts on our coverage here coming of, of the spring. But, you know, Roshan Johnson ran four five six at 220 pounds. I thought he was a little un- lighter than I thought he would be, uh, but I don't think he hurt himself. Be, uh, Roshan is going to be what he is. He's going to be kind of a one-cut running back in, a, in his own offense and just – Gosh, he'll play special teams. He'll do whatever it takes to be a great teammate. And uh, yeah, I thought he did. He acquitted himself well in Indy. Uh, he's another one that you just can't help but root for, right? Because like, how does a backup running back become the unquestioned leader of the team? You know, like anytime you Never would talk to Sark or like any of the players, like he's the first person off their mouth when they're talking about leaders. And he did that as a backup, as a former quarterback who selfishly moved uh, from that position and then stuck there. Uh, I think it was a great career decision for him to do that. I think he was lighter at, at, at this to show off his speed, right? Like I'd imagine he's going to play uh, closer to 230. As you talked about, not only can he be a running back, but he can help at special teams. He can do it. If you ask him to play linebacker, he'd play it tomorrow. You know, he's just the kind of guy you want to get on your football team. Uh, I think he helped himself a lot. Those Both of those guys are going to get drafted, I would think, within the first you know three rounds, both of them. Yeah, Bijan, I think maybe in the first 20 picks when it's yeah, all said and yeah. done, he's just that special. And everything you just said about you know teams are going to fall in love with the guy. 
Uh, and he's a difference maker. I mean, he changes games. And, uh, you know, we just saw Saquon Barkley get franchise tagged by the Giants today. Uh, he's that kind of player, Christian McCaffrey. Look what Christian McCaffrey did when he got to San Francisco and around some real talent. I mean, he was just, you know, two touchdowns a ball game. He's just that good. And I think Bijan's in that realm. And Roshan's going to be – Belichick's going to take Roshan, right? Belichick yeah. is going to grab him, yeah. put him on all his specialty units, and let him run the ball, and he'll turn out to be their leading touchdown scorer. He seems like a Detroit <laughs> Lion to me. Potentially. You know, just uh, well, like one of those Dan tough Campbell. Dude, right, one of those is tough. He would love that kind of, yeah, kind of he's, atmosphere. He, uh, I still will praise Roshan. It, as you said, how often does a backup running back come the leader of a team? How long does a, how often does a backup running back not leave and transfer in the yeah. portal, yeah. where he could have been a starting running back at a lot of places around college football? Not only stayed here, stayed here and led the team and helped Steve Sarkeesian and this staff assimilate this locker room. That is forever appreciated by this coaching staff. I know that. Uh, and then there were three defensive players there for the Longhorns. Roshan, uh, excuse me, Demarvion Overshone, uh, I think maybe helped himself the most. More Ojimo. I want you to talk about him because he's such a young player that is new to football, big picture, and uh, really, I thought, showed great agility. But DeMarvion, to me, to run at 230 pounds, showed his long arms and the ranginess we know about him. And then he ran 4.56 at 230 and showed great agility, explosive in the broad jump. Uh, you just mentioned positionless football and Dan Quinn with the Cowboys where a J. Ron Curse who looks like a linebacker but's playing safety, but what is he? Uh, but he's impactful. I mean, that's the kind of player that the NFL covets right now. And so I don't know if it's third round or where he goes. Uh, and he's a striker. DeMarvin Overshawn likes to hit people. He likes to be physical. He's a tough guy. Uh, I think DeMarvion helped himself quite a bit in Indy. Absolutely, and, and like maybe 10, 15 years ago, he w- our discussion would be like, "Well, what is he? Is he's he a, a linebacker? A <laughs> is he defensive?" It would be a negative conversation. Now it's a positive one. It's like, who cares? He's a football player. Like you can play him a linebacker, you can play him off the edge in a three-four, you can probably play him a four-two-five as a hybrid safety linebacker type. Uh, so he can do a lot. He's versatile, as you said, supremely athletic. Obviously, a former safety, former five-star guy out of ARP, uh, and he's another one that was just like. You, know, you see a guy coming out of a small school like that, and you just have no idea how he's going to take to college football. And it took him a couple years, I feel like, to really find his footing. And once he did and he found his voice, he developed himself, and not only as a player, uh, but as a real leader of that locker room who I think Steve Sarkeesian will point to in a couple years as a guy who kind of helped turn the worm uh, inside the the Texas locker room as much well, as anything Ojimo else. Ojemo and Coburn, you mentioned to me that it, I had forgotten that Keandre Coburn followed Ed Oliver at mm-hmm. Westfield High School in Houston. Ed Oliver was a stud who went to Houston. He's playing with the Bills now. And Keandre was that next guy, and he wasn't at Oliver, but he was still a good player but really came on late, maybe bought into that Bo Davis speech. And then more Ojimo was playing senior football at Katy High when he was 16 years old. I mean, he's just a baby as far as football goes. And he came to football late, but, man, his long arms, his agility, 296, and uh, I think you said it to me, his best football may be coming when he gets to the National Football League. I, I think he's somebody who's going to have a better NFL career than a college career, and that has nothing to do with anything at college. He just was a baby still. You know, He's still growing up. He, he's a young player who I think in a couple years were like, oh, yeah, that's right, Morrow's over there, and he's going to play a lot of football. And so, yeah, I absolutely believe uh, his, his best football is in front of him. Uh, but I think Keandre Coburn had like kind of the bounce-back year uh, in the state, you know, at Texas in the Big 12, um, just – I think a lot of us had written him off as just as just a guy, just a guy well, who was going to be Because we've seen it so many football. times at Texas in the last right. decade, a guy right. that when's he going to blow up, when's he going to move forward because he was highly recruited, and that's been the problem at Texas. Just mm-hmm. get, comes in and never gets better. Yeah. Uh, even guy like Caden Cerns who comes in and was a great freshman and then just, eh, where did he go? Coburn actually hit that, hit that, uh, that turbo boost. And that's not only a credit to the coaching staff. Like, that takes the player, too. 
You know, like, this isn't a video game where you get to decide that for those guys. Like, they have to take that on himself. So, like, good on him for taking that help, for taking that criticism and, and making himself a better football player, and it's going to pay off with a roster spot. Agreed. I think they'll all five get drafted and, you know, maybe in the – First five rounds, maybe sixth round for 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 Coburn, and we'll see. We'll see. I think Bijan's a first round draft pick. Uh, I think Roshan, third, fourth, yeah, and then you know Ojemo and Overshone might be third round guys just based on the upside and the potential, and that's obviously what NFL teams are looking for, and they'll be looking for that at UT Pro Day coming up on Thursday, Pro Timing Day. It'll be interesting to see how many guys are out there. Deshaun Jameson, all the guys that didn't get invited to the combine will be there. Uh, Bijan will be there to support, and we will certainly be covering it with our eyes on Texas Multicast. You and I will be there. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon uh, coming up, and uh, we'll get all the sights and sounds. And uh, It's foot good conversation, uh, Mike. I mean, this this thing, as we said, is going to be the uh, depth of knowledge, the content, the insights, and uh, we're going to grow this thing as we, as we get this thing going. But uh, I think we, we see right here, one hour flies by. Uh, we could keep going, but uh, what, what's your – excitement about this spring that we talked about question marks what are you looking forward to covering here as this spring evolves here over the next six weeks like they're going to play the first phase take spring break come back and then we'll be having the spring game on april 15th what are you looking forward to i think it's like you mentioned earlier i think it's the competition you know and in past years it was like well who's going to play that spot because we didn't know who who could be there if they even had one to play i think this one you're you're going to really like what is the competition between jane gilbo like you said <laughs> and jade baron you know like who who emerges from that spot the defensive line. I think it's just seeing who those young guys are who redshirted last year and maybe a few of the true freshmen uh, emerge. And that was always the fun thing at Texas, right? Is like when Cedric Benson got on campus, like what does he look like? Being able to kind of get a sneak peek of the future stars, I think, is the most fun thing about spring because we know what Xavier Worthy is, right? Like, you know, we know what Kelvin Banks, what those guys not are. To get hurt. Doing, right. You want right. those guys getting hurt. But who is going to be that next group of guys to push those dudes to be depth? Because as we know, it's not 22 players. Like it takes at least 50 to 60 of your scholarship players. Uh, to get through a football season. It feels like Texas is closer to that number now, and we'll find out over the next month if that's true. Last thing, and we'll wrap up our first edition of the Eyes on Texas multicast here, a Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network, also recording live right here, uh, the Austin Radio Network headquarters here in Austin, Texas, part of the uh, the Horn, of course, and the flagship. Uh, excited to, to be doing this with Mike. Having covered spring, having covered high school, how important is it, uh, do we overplay it that there are 15 early enrollees, that there are 15 dudes who are already here, the Arch Manning, Cedric Baxters. Uh, I believe it's it's huge to be here, not just practicing and getting in the weight room and the winter workouts and getting to know the playbook and the coaches, but getting used to school, Yes, understanding the rigors of the academic side, where your classes are. I mean, you're doing that at the start of the, the fall when you're also trying to learn the playbook and everything else. I think that is a huge advantage for these guys. They all should be in their senior semester of high school yeah. and getting ready for their prom, but they're here. I, to me, that is a huge advantage for you know fourteen or fifteen guys. <laughs> My grandfather used to joke that the biggest advantage was you get to break up with your high school girlfriend and get that <laughs> get that like homesickness out of the way early, so it doesn't happen in October. It happens in March, and you can deal with it a little bit better uh, in spring practice than you can in the season. And so, I, I think for all those reasons you said, I think the football is part of it. Obviously, right? You get those fifteen pass practices, you get used to the speed of the game, the physicality of it. You probably have some bumps and bruises that you're not used to because you're getting hit by grown men in a way that you 
weren't, you know, everybody on the field is you, you know, where you used to be the best player. Now everybody uh, is that guy. Uh, but I think the homesickness is something we don't talk about a lot, right? Like you're a 17, 18 year old kid. You're moving to a big city and camp. You don't know everybody. Everybody's expectations are high. There's people like me out there with cameras asking you questions. Talking, you know, how do you deal with that? Well, Having a whole six uh, months to do it helps you a lot. You mentioned to Marvion Overshone from Little Arp, Texas, right. and uh, right. Brennan Stewart from what what West Texas, yeah. uh, the the receivers. That Brennan Thompson. Yeah, pan, Panhandle. He's the Panhandle. Up, these up kids north. come from these one A yeah. and two A towns. It's like I mean, it's got to be a, a brain. I mean, I went off to college and it was like, oh my gosh, yeah. these guys are here, and I do think there's an assimilation process that helps get their feet on the ground in the spring, use the summer to kind of okay, now I know what I need to work on because everybody's as good as me or better. Right. Uh, Lose I your student know. ID a few times. You know, just kind of <laughs> yeah. get all that stuff out of the way now. All right, flash that back up there, Nolan. Let's get uh, where you can find us as we launch this thing. It's going to be up uh, and posted at our YouTube page, well, the YouTube page at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. That's Dave Campbell's TF uh, is how you're going to find that. Also, we're going to be on Instagram and Twitter with continuing content. This has been the first edition of the Eyes on Texas Multicast. As we say, a Republic, a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast. This thing is going to be ongoing every week through spring practice and into the summer. Uh, we'll take a bit of a break through maybe June, July, and then we'll pick this thing back up uh, in August all the way through every single week, and then we're on top of it all the way through. He is Mike Craven. I'm Aaron Hogan, and we're excited to be here. Mike, good stuff for week one, man. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you to Jacob Standard and Griffin Hogan, Nolan Hogan, our production team, making this thing happen. Thank you to Eric Raines and the team at Coke FM uh, for allowing us to borrow their beautiful studio to crank this thing up and use all their equipment as we get this thing rolling. We do believe uh, that this is going to be the uh, uh, the podcast, the multicast you're going to go to week by week uh, for the depth of knowledge, the content, the insights that we're going to bring you, the guests we're going to have for you. As you saw Nolan firing up the uh, the videos, we're going to be able to show you highlights and sound from Steve Sarkeesian, coaches and players and guests right here on our on our screen right above my shoulder. So we're excited about it. Uh, it's going to be a great year. Follow us on our uh, social media pages. It's the Eyes on Texas multicast, a product of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network and the Horn and Austin Radio Network.